Welcome to the Soar Podcast, the place for creative entrepreneurs with limitless dreams and unconventional stories. I'm your host, Ray Hyde Cornell, founder and business mentor at Chiron Consulting and CEO and senior copywriter at Cornell Content Marketing. My goal is to bring you stories of what's possible so you can never tell yourself that your dreams are impossible. Okay, so today we have Doc Wright of The Right Edge. Doc, tell me about your business. What is it that you do? Uh, We do very, very high-end custom exotic woodwork for major hotels, celebrities, pro athletes, musicians, residential clients, uh, big companies, you name it. The bigger it is, we build it. And how did you get into this? I mean, that's a very specialized business model, a specialized niche. How did you get into that? Pure fucking randomness. <laughs> it started as all the best stories are. <laughs> yeah, no, it just started as a stress relief from my former lifetime. I used to be a geologist in the oil industry and got really tired of the rat race. Um, so I just picked it up in my spare time in the garage and then a buddy asked me to make a bench, then I made him a coffee table and some other small things. And then this couple asked me to make a dining table and then an interior designer uh, for Beaten Bow Homes out in Lubbock found me and hit me up to bid on a 14 by five foot table. So I did. And then a week later, she hit me up asking me to bid on five. So I did. And she called me and was like, all right, well, where do we send the deposit check? I was like, I guess my house. So that's kind of how it all got started and uh once i got that deposit check bought an llc opened up a business bank account and then cashed out my stock second my bonus in my bank account i pieced out figured i'm young enough i'm not married i don't have kids if i'm gonna take a risk and take a chance and now's the time to do it because realistically like what do i have to lose yeah yeah and what was that i mean it seems like it was a very organic process to just have people seeing your work and people asking you questions and then what was that tipping point for you how did you know now's the time to quit uh because the job was for one hundred thirty-four thousand dollars. so that outweighed your pay as a geologist <clears throat> yeah it was a uh it was a come to jesus moment Basically, I mean, I was making well into the six figures, very comfortable life. But, you know, how we were all raised, because, you know, we're roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all raised in the same environment where, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get the degree, you get the job, you buy the house, you get the car, you get the dog. And the 2.5 kids. Exactly. Yeah. So I had accomplished everything and I was making more money than either of my parents by the time I was 32 so Mm -hmm. it was like I've accomplished everything and this is it this is the next 30 years of my life kind of boring yeah so that's you know between that and you know it was a big enough job to where like the deposit check for 50 50 percent down was still sixty seven thousand dollars it's like all right well I guess I'm gonna now I mean it, it wasn't that hard decision because the numbers were so big right out of the gate and just to be clear to everybody's listening this was not planned I had no plans or grandeur 
or illusions that this could be a full-time job. It was never on my radar until this just kind of fell into my lap. And I was like, oh, okay, let's go. Let's see what's up. Let's go. So would you consider yourself a risk taker? Yes. Do you think you have to be one to be an entrepreneur? Yes. <laughs> Why is that? Because no matter what happens to an entrepreneur, you're going to be put in certain situations where you're going to have to take a risk. Every entrepreneur that I know or talk to is put in those situations daily. And it's, it's either you know, something really small or something really big, like going after a big fish client, you know, yeah, we may not have ever done it before, but do we think we can? Yeah. So then it's just a matter of pulling it off. Yeah. They don't know that. They don't see that. But in our heads, we're just like, oh, they think we know what we're doing. (laughs) So one of the, so you talk about risk and one of the things that I know about your business is that there is a lot of risk involved. I mean, you have to deal with sourcing materials. You have to deal with shipping schedules. I mean, issues at ports and then COVID happened and there was all this delay in getting things from overseas. I mean, there were even some shipping barricades that happened. So how do you roll with those punches when you never know if what you're gonna need in order to do the job is actually going to be there for you to do the job and make the money? Sourcing is probably the most important thing for us outside of just general sales. But that's where, you know, developing a name for yourself and a reputation for yourself is very crucial because at this point, um, I get hit up weekly from people around the world that want to sell me their wood. And being educated in what's happening in the market is crucial because right now, um, I, I'm not going to be importing from, you know, Asia at the moment because all the shipping containers are coming to the United States. They're not going back. So shipping costs from Thailand or Vietnam or Malaysia, however, shipping prices have tripled, but they're still the same price coming from Central America. So my focus the last like six to eight months has purely been on Central America, Costa Rica, Panama, opening up more lanes that way. So keeping up with so just, the global economics of it all, but it also sounds like relationships and building those connections is critical to your business. Oh, 100%, because I am not going to send $60,000, you know, wiring across, you know, an ocean to somebody I do not trust. Yeah. So how do, you, how do you approach that in your business? And, you know, you and I have had private, private or previous conversations about both of us being introverts. So how do you build those relationships, establish those connections, put yourself out there when you are an introverted entrepreneur? I am very good at, I'm, (laughs) all right, let me rephrase this. Um, I am the most extroverted introvert you'll ever meet. Like when it's time to be, I'm the best there is. I am, I'm really good at, you put me in front of anybody, if I had a superpower, you put me into a closed room with any, any walk of life within five minutes, I will find common ground. That is my superpower. Now I have no problem doing that, but after that conversation, I'm going to go cave for three days and turn my phone off because I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. You got to recharge. It's, 
you have to recharge, but it's also a necessary evil. So I know when I have to do it and I know when I don't have to do it. And that's kind of, kind of a big deal, but I don't mind being social at all. I like it at times, but it's when I'm in the shop trying to make progress on multiple projects or if we're just slammed in production time where I don't have that luxury, that's going to be put on the back burner for now. Yeah. So what made you go into doing something that was more of a brick and mortar type business than what seems to be the trend nowadays, which is everything is going digital. You know, did you ever question the path that you are on to build this very physical, tangible business in the digital world? No, not at all, because working with your hands nowadays is kind of a lost art and across every industry, whether it's any sort of manual labor, they are struggling to find anybody worth their weight. And turns out there is a very large need for what I do, especially in the higher end market. And that's allowed us to kind of transcend some of those general rules of, you know, in the digital marketing or the digital age. Well, turns out people really like what we do. Yeah. So it's almost like you're saying that the the market is saturated with digital everything and people are still in need of and even craving those very physical, tangible products that really transform the physical space that we all live in. Correct. Because let's take LinkedIn for an example. The amount of random people that add me on LinkedIn that, you know, have those automatic messages that come out. I mean, I get hit up for digital marketing firms daily, insurance daily, investments daily, everything. It's, it's so oversaturated that it's become to the point where nobody seems special because everybody's doing it. Yeah. Now, if you can wade through that BS, because there is, you know, there still are people that are really good at what they do. And there's people who are really bad at what they do. You just kind of have to, you know, weigh it out and sort through it. But with us, it's kind of the same thing. You know, there's, you know, if you go look at any of our finished products in any public space, and you go into the design district in Dallas and go look at a quote unquote high end showroom, there's a large difference in the quality of the finished product. Yeah. It's, you know, where if you're wanting to do something similar to me in terms of, you know, providing a product or a service that is not digital, that is hands-on, there are still many numerous avenues to go down. It's still there. So did you have any formal training as a woodworker? Did you ever serve as an apprentice or anything like that? Or did you really figure it all out on your own? No, there is no formal training. I've, I did, I've never worked a woodworked a day in my life until I started this. And so, there has been no training. It has been a hundred percent just figuring it out. Excellent. I love that because one of the things that I think holds a lot of entrepreneurs back is they say, I've never had any formal training. I mean, my background is not in marketing. My background is in psychology and creative writing. And yet I run a digital marketing agency. So I think that's one thing that holds a lot of people back, but to your point, it doesn't have to. And so I wonder, because you are in a very high-end market, all of your pieces are very high ticket. So how did you 
develop or were you just like born with the confidence to go from, I'm going to start doing this thing that I've never been formally trained on and I'm going to charge, you know, five, six figures for it. What was that like? Well, that, <clears throat> that first job right out of the gates kind of established general pricing. Mm -hmm. um, the other factor in that, I guess, I'm trying to narrow it down between two ideas on which one I want to speak on. When I decided to leave a very comfortable six-figure salary job, I very quickly, right out of the gate, determined I do not want to make for friends and family. I don't want to do this to where I'm, you know, working my ass off for just a thousand dollar piece. I want to go after whales. So that was, you know, that was kind of the starting point. And then to be a hundred percent honest, you know, we, we had to kind of fake, fake it till we make it. Yeah. You know, we had enough, or I had enough self-belief in my skill set, even though it was limited, I knew it was going to grow because I am a former scientist. So I'm incredibly analytical. I knew I could do it. Yeah. And I honestly, there was not an option for failure. Yeah, that's huge, right? I mean, I think that's, that's the hallmark of a good entrepreneur is knowing that you have no idea how you're going to do this thing, but you know that you can. And having that self-confidence in yourself, having that belief in yourself, knowing that you've tackled things that you've never done before, before, and you've come out on top and you can do it again. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's a conversation I have with a lot of people that want to become an entrepreneur or want to start their own business. The biggest obstacle that you are going to face in making that decision is yourself. You are your biggest hurdle. You are your biggest problem. Get out of your own way. Yeah, exactly. Even when, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but even when you're in that feast or famine mode, I mean, how do you, that's part of freelancing. And, you know, part of our goal here at Kyron is to help freelancers, particularly creatives and people who have digital based businesses, but also those who have physical businesses build stability over time so that you don't have those peaks and valleys, those feasts and famine situations. But when you're starting out and in the first, I would say probably five to eight years of business, that's going to be a constant in your business. You're going to have these cycles. So how do you deal with that? personally, and then also as a business owner? A lot of sacrifice. A lot of time that you know you're not going to be paying yourself. It's a necessary evil. It's... Hmm. I am stubborn to the point where it's either a, it's a blessing and a curse because I refuse to take on investors and I refuse to take out bank loans or business lines of credit. Um, over the last four and a half years, I've done everything in cash because that's how I want it. I do not want to have my business ran to where I'm constantly owing people money. Yeah. So there are sacrifices I have made, but you know, it's funny how life works out and I'll tell this quick story. So, in September of 2019, 
I mean, I was down at our shop, which is about 30 minutes south of Dallas, our current location. I was down here seven days a week, <clears throat> 10 to 12 hours a day. So I was only at my house to literally eat and sleep. And I got really tired of carrying that overhead. So I sold my house and I moved down here to Red Oak. And I'm so thankful I did that because fast forward, you know, five, six months later, COVID hit, all lockdowns hit. We had four massive corporate jobs cancel immediately, not put on delay, not, hey, we're going to talk about this later, straight up cancel. So if I would not have sold my house, we would have gone bankrupt. And there if are you set... haven't sold it when you did, you may not have been able to sell it during COVID. Exactly. There are certain times where, yeah, you're going to have to sacrifice some things you've worked for. You're going to have to sacrifice your time. You're going to have to sacrifice money. But the number one thing is how much do you believe in what you're doing? Mm. How much do you believe in yourself? Is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like the decision to sell your house, that was actually almost like a commitment to your business in a way. It was you deciding this is what I really want. I don't need the prescribed path of society. I don't need the house. I don't need the yard. I don't need the white picket fence. You chose to design your life to be the way that you want it to be, to serve your needs, serve your purposes, and to hell with what everyone else says you should be doing. It's all bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I've never really been one to care about what anybody else thinks or what society thinks. I've really never been that type of person but what i found out about myself over the last few years is you know i really don't need a lot or i really don't need much to be happy i'm kind of a minimalist i mean now i am but <laughs> now you're definitely a minimalist <laughs> well i look at i look at certain people that i know and certain friends that make a shit ton of money and they have a big gaudy house and they have all these cars but it's a different kind of stress and it's all just yeah. stuff. You yeah. can't take it with you when you die. And the biggest thing that I love about being an entrepreneur is I have carte blanche freedom. Mm -hmm. If I want to take off for two to three weeks and just drive around the country, I can. Yeah. If I want to go play golf on a Tuesday morning, I can. I am not married to anything. As long as I get my work done by the deadline, doesn't matter when it happens as long as it does happen yeah and yeah. that's what i value over anything about being an entrepreneur i mean owning your own business is cool but not having to live by anybody else's rules that's the most fun part and do you ever feel pressure from friends or family and if so how do you deal with that pressure to conform to what they expect or, you know, you should get a real job or, oh, don't you want that stability? Things like that. Do you ever get those outside opinions and how do you deal with it? I used to. Oh, yeah. No, I just don't talk to them. <laughs> you're just like, you're not getting the program. I'm just going to cut you out. You're, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be incredibly picky. Mm and incredibly self-aware about who you allow in your life and to influence your life. Anybody who has doubted me or doubted the business or mocked it or made fun of it in the beginning, 
they're no longer around. I refuse to allow any negativity in my life because your mental state and your confidence cannot be rocked, shattered, or shaked. So if you're going to be a negative influence in my life, you are cut the fuck out. Yeah. Like Joe Rogan said it on his podcast once, and I've kind of lived by this. He's like, you know, that, that I can't catch a break kind of guy, get them the fuck away from me. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. If you think that you're just going to get shit on your doorstep and that's all you're going to get in life, then that's what's going to happen. But if you expect good things, if you expect that, well, yes, of course, things are going to go the way that I want them to, because I'm living my life by my rules. And this is what feels right intrinsically in my gut. This is what feels right. And of course, it's going to work out just like with your house situation. You sold at just the right time in just the right circumstance because none of us knew that COVID was gonna hit. None of us knew that it would have this massive impact on our businesses and you followed your instinct, you followed your gut, you did things the way you wanted to do them and it was the right move for you. Yeah, yeah. And this most simplest way I can put it is unless you're the one putting food on my table, your opinion is weightless. Yeah. What is best for me and what is best for my business, that's my responsibility. Everything else, I honestly don't give a shit about. Yeah. So what advice would you give someone who is in a corporate job, they're miserable, they're burned out, and they want more freedom, they want more autonomy over their life and their time? What advice would you give them? If you already have an idea for a business, you know, take advantage of the situation where you're currently making money. So start setting things up to where you can hit the ground running. But the hardest decision you're going to have to make is taking that leap. Now, the bad part about being an entrepreneur, there's no dipping a toe in. There's no like, oh, is the water cold or hot? No, we're putting you on the 25 meter board and you're diving in head fucking first. Yeah. That's the only way to go because you will never work harder than when your mortgage is on the line or, you know, you're trying to put food on the table for your kids. You will never work harder in that moment. Just know that the life of an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs are the only people in the world who are willing to work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40 hours for somebody else. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people see that transition process when they're in the nine to five job, when they're working that traditional employment and they have a side hustle, they think that's putting the toe in the water, but really it's not. It's, it's a completely different dynamic. You have your W2, you have your side hustle. And then when you make that full switch into full-time entrepreneurship, it's a completely other world in and of itself. And that's when you really hit that sink or swim. If you're going to do this, you better do or die sort of energy. Yeah. And, you know, I frankly don't understand the fear of it because I look at it this way. I have a college degree. I have a very lucrative work experience past. Like my resume looks amazing. Now, let's say the right edge fails. I can always go back. Mm-hmm. I don't understand the fear. Yeah. And who gives a shit if it fails? 
Yeah, I think that's the point is I think I think that's the the fear piece is people are afraid it's going to fail. And then they're afraid of people in their life telling them, you know, oh, I told you so, or, oh, look at you, you couldn't do this thing that you said you were going to do. But yeah, who the fuck cares? Anybody who says life. that to you is not a friend. Yeah. Anybody who says that to you is not. And honestly, when people like that do say that, they're just self-projecting their fears onto you. It has nothing to do with you. It's their own bullshit insecurities. Yeah. You want to talk about the psychology of people? <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> I bet you could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're right. It is all projection. It's, it's their fear and likely also a layer of insecurity that they don't have the courage to do what you're doing. Mm-mm. Not at all. And then once you are on this side of the equation, you very quickly figure out. It's kind of like the wolf pack mentality. Wolves run with other wolves. Mm -hmm. And you don't see wolves hanging out with sheep. Like you want to surround yourself with like-minded people who are just as hungry as you are, who can add benefit to your mindset or your business. I mean, the mental aspect of running a business is so crucial. You have to surround yourself with those types of people. They build you up. They make you stronger. They reinforce your values. They reinforce your mindset. That's why I don't care if it's somebody I've known for 10 years or somebody I've known for three weeks. If you're the right type of person that just fits the equation with this, you just became my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what keeps you going personally? Who are the people in your life or what are the resources that you tap into to keep you going when you get thrown some major curveballs in your business? Mm, again, being incredibly stubborn, I refuse to let, I refuse to fail. Yeah. It's not an option. Um, but when I do get down or, you know, I need to talk, you know, I do have those friends that I can reach out to and, most of the time it's not it's not a reinforcement thing it's just to talk about it out loud yeah and just to get it off your chest because i get i get asked that question a lot you know like how do you handle that kind of thing and the biggest thing is you know always remember where you started and where you're at look at what you've done it's a big deal you've done a lot and just reminding yourself of that helps me get through a lot of tough times. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Doc, where can people check you out online? Uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram or Facebook at The Right Edge, and that's right with the W, or feel free to go to our website, www.therightedge.com. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, Doc. I really appreciate it. Hey, it's Ray again. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, YouTube, and more. And want to be a guest on the show or know someone who has an amazing story of entrepreneurship? Apply on our website at www.chironconsulting.us slash podcast.